She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. China does have one very powerful card. It could play if things really get heated. It holds about $1 trillion in U.S. debt. If China were to start dumping U.S. securities, it could have a negative effect on the American economy. But in doing so, China would be harming the very market that it really needs. Horowitz has already concluded that the final three FISAs were completely illegal. He's now on the brink of finding that the first FISA was completely illegal. They've already gotten documents. He's already talked to the intel people. Durham's been working for a couple of months. So the, the bottom line is this. This is now big time. And now, Stacy Washington. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for making your home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. So uh, this is one of my favorite times when I get to have Chris Woodward on, and he's going to join us for two segments today because we have a ton of great content to talk about from OneNewsNow.com. Chris Woodward, thank you for joining in. Thank you very much. And I got to say, I really like that intro music. I want to get I want to see if <laughs> Devin can just give me like an instrumental of it. And that's right. what I'm going to listen to every morning when I wake up. That's what I'm saying. It's it, it's energizing. It gets you ready for all of the fantastic content. Because Devin and I, we're we're like little workhorses. We're just like cranking out all the all the work that we can get done to make a radio show. And now you're here. You do all of the work to get the news pumping and keep the onenewsnow.com site just humming with new information. Yes, which I encourage people to go to. Um, so let's. I I just want to give kind of flip over to you. Let's talk about some of the biggest stories that are going over at onenewsnow.com right now. Well, you know, we've been uh, following a lot of pro-life news. A lot of states in recent days, weeks really, have taken uh, giant steps forward in the way of uh, passing pro-life legislation. You had the uh, Alabama Senate in recent days passing a ban on abortion with few exceptions. That comes, of course, after Georgia passed a heartbeat law uh, and then Ohio passed a heartbeat bill. Uh, these are various things that would ban most abortions uh, after a baby's heartbeat is detected. Although in Alabama, Alabama's case, that uh, goes even further uh, and would ban most abortions with few exceptions. So these are going to be uh, a lot of issues that we're going to be covering. And certainly uh, I would be shocked, quite frankly, if they're not election issues uh, next year when we uh, get a Democratic nominee going up against President Trump. That's one big story. Um, certainly, uh, you're getting a lot of, uh, business news. You know, we had that, that crazy ad campaign with, uh, Chips Ahoy having a guy in drag hawking cookies. Uh, Abe Hamilton weighed in on that as well as second vote. Um, that's a, one big thing to watch for. And then one of the other things too, uh, you know, certainly, uh, we lost Tim Conway, uh, in recent days, uh, actor, comedian, Tim Conway, best known for things like the Carol Burnett show. And a lot of people don't realize that he had a lot of work uh, in the way of decent television. There's not a lot of comedy these days that's very clean, uh, but there were certainly a number of things that Tim Conway uh, put out there that uh, you know a family could sit down and enjoy. I, I'm, I don't know that a child would understand everything uh, Tim Conway is doing in the way of comedy, but uh, certainly it was very clean. And our Steve Jordahl had a fantastic piece out featuring uh, Tim Winter from the Parents Television Council mourning Tim Conway. So uh, let's let's kind of circle back around to the uh, cookie thing. Mm-hmm. So my mom called those um, well, they're cardboard cookies. She's she used to call them fake cookies. She had a bunch of different names for them. She was into baking real cookies. You know, mm-hmm. this is before the age of take and bake, which that's my generation where you just buy the take and bake, and if anybody says they want a cookie in twelve minutes, they have a freshly baked, wonderful tasting cookie. Um, and you as a mom skip 20 minutes of mixing, right. you know, putting ingredients together or we're all out of eggs. Who ate the last egg? That type of stuff. Um, but uh, so Chips Ahoy cookies are extraordinarily popular, mm-hmm. not with everyone, obviously, but they're really this is kind of like your mainstream uh, product. Yeah. Right. Th- mm-hmm. This is not a fringe product. This isn't like the and, and no offense to anybody who uses essential oils, but this is mainstream like, you know, middle of the shelf at the grocery store in a lot of lunch boxes. You see the little Ziploc baggies come out when you're on a field trip and a bunch of kids have chips ahoy. Right. What what is driving this need to go into areas where chips ahoy does not make money uh, promoting drag queens, nor will they 
experienced a huge jump in sales by promoting like because I'm trying to find the win here. What is the motivator to go into this area, which is should be a no go go zone for them? Well, I think it's two things. One, it's shock value. Uh, They know that it's going to get attention. But perhaps more importantly, there's been a growing effort by a number of radical groups, radical left groups that have gone into company shareholder meetings and raised or brought forth resolutions saying you need to be out front and you need to be out and open here. You need to be uh, promoting and accepting and and offering a so-called inclusive environment as if people in drag don't already eat cookies. Um, And therefore (laughs) they get, uh, because all people eat cookies, right? Uh, And therefore, uh, you know, somebody that gets paid way too much for so-called consultancies uh, you know, puts forth these ideas, and then we end up with a guy in drag um, hawking cookies. In this case, Chips Ahoy. One of my favorite uh, reactions to this was from Second Vote. That's the uh, consumer watchdog for consumers. Um, they said, you know, all things considered, doesn't mom's cookie recipe taste so much better now? Well, yeah. So the other thing I think is really interesting is that this, they get a lot of furor out of this. But as you pointed out, drag queens already, you know, they're either buying them or they're not. Right. You have a bunch of people now who will literally, because this is the uh, Nabisco. Mm-hmm. So Nabisco doesn't just make cookies. They make an amazing array of products that if you go on their, their website, you see how the, all of the different things they're into selling they could literally be walling themselves off from middle-class families across the country and they've accomplished nothing because as you said, people who are already cookie buyers who are in favor of drag queens being promoted Mm -hmm. aren't going to buy more cookies because they saw this. They're already going to buy whatever they normally buy, but families that are completely shocked by this and caught off guard will just avoid their products. They'll look for alternatives, which in America, as we all know, I go to a grocery store that has, I'm not kidding. I believe we have over a hundred different kinds of spaghetti sauce in the spaghetti aisle. And I was listening to a, this it's a fantastic uh, podcast that I, that I just stumbled onto by accident. I was doing a long drive back from across the state. I was on one side of the state of Missouri and trying to get back home. And in the podcast, this, this, uh, this woman, she's an anthropologist. She studied choice, mm-hmm. how Americans, we actually have more choices than our uh, like, mentally feasible for us. So we have so many choices like at the grocery store that what happens is we become overwhelmed. And so we choose one. And if it tastes adequate, not our favorite, if it's adequate, we will continue to buy that one rather than be faced with the gauntlet of choices that is available to us at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you, you know, you they, they kind of nickname people like that. That's a brand mom or that's a brand family yeah. where they go for the same brand all the time. And unless that brand significantly reduces the size or increases the price of their product, they won't venture out for another one because there are too many choices. She went into depth. I mean, Chris, it was amazing. How many choices can a human being consider before they're overwhelmed and default back to either not making the choice or just choosing one that's adequate instead of the one that's the best. And with the spaghetti sauce thing, they found that if there are only 40 choices, that's still overwhelming, but people will try something new. Mm-hmm. But if there are more than 40 choices, people will tend to just buy the same one over and over again. And, and in response to this, Chris, I actually went to the grocery store the next time. I surveyed the number of choices and I chose four different spaghetti sauces just to see if I could, like, is there any difference? Well, my family noticed. Well, my family noticed. I also noticed the difference in the taste. We found two that we liked more than the one I've been buying for. I've been married for over 20 years and we've been pretty much having the same brand, uh, different ones within that brand, but Mm -hmm. the same brand for the entirety of our marriage. So that, that is a negative having too many choices, but I'm pointing it out because if you go in the cookie aisle, the chips Ahoy is just one of like another hundred that are there that you can pick from. So they're gambling with the very existence of their business here. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And you know, um, you know, it's it's one brand today; it'll be another brand tomorrow. So this will undoubtedly uh, continue, I would think, um, going forward, and not just with cookies. We've already seen uh, Converse uh, come out with a so-called transgender shoe again, as if they have a different foot. Um, 
but uh, I mean, <laughs> you know. imagine how you you could get in so much trouble, Chris. If you were to say, "Well, oh, these shoes are only for transgendered feet," can you imagine the kind of just hate that would come down on you yeah. if you suggested that? But they're suggesting it. I know. Well, yeah. and they and they they've got the uh, this one of these boys that have made the news in recent months, uh, where he he dresses as a girl and goes and dances. Um, He's their spokesmodel for these these shoes. Second vote weighed in on that as well. If you wanted to go to their website and read up on it, but you know one of the interesting things, um, a lot of times companies um, people don't realize this, but in today's global economy, a lot of companies are part of the same family. Yes, they might compete, but they are they fall under the umbrella of a bigger, broader organization. In this case, uh, Nabisco is part of something called the Mondelez International uh, list of companies. And so Mondelez, or I may be saying it wrong, that company that starts with an M uh, owns and does all sorts of things. They actually, uh, when you when you dig into it, they have Mondelez International has been a big donor to uh, Planned Parenthood. Uh, they funded liberal advocacy groups for LGBTQ causes like the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. Again, these things are because somebody shows up at a boardroom meeting or shareholder meeting and says, you should do this and you can be the, you know, first group in the crowd and, and we love your cookies. And if you're not going to do it, we're not going to buy your cookies. And here we are with a guy in drag hawking cookies. And it was very, it was like, it was, I mean, as Abe put it, you know, that'll make your stomach turn listening to it. Hear the guy talking about the cookies. It's um, very troubling. Well, it's worse if you're looking at him. Cause what I did was, so I was, <laughs> yeah, you know how it is. Yeah. On the weekend, you're busy, right? And it was Mother's Day weekend. And we have so much going on over here, Chris. I Sometimes I wake up, I'm like, what day is it? Who am I? Right. What kid is going to, you know, because the, the one kid's at college and she's coming home. One one is he's going to go to college in the fall and I'm freaking out. And then we have one who's 15 and I know she's just thinking, just don't let her look over here because she's like, yeah. <laughs> like, don't look over here, mom. I'm good. So... For Mother's Day weekend, I had all this stuff that kind of has piled up, like, you know, some gardening mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And my husband was like, where do you want to eat? And I was like, you know what? I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I don't want to go out to eat. If you guys will do anything that I want, I want you to help me in the garden. And I need help emptying out this bookshelf because I want to I want to put some, you know, something on the back of it to make it look nicer. Mm-hmm. And they both looked. And, they were, and my husband was like, so what are we eating? I said, he said, I can make breakfast for lunch i said oh i'd be so grateful you know because he makes great fluffy like restaurant eggs yeah um so he made those and then we did that so i guess what i'm saying is i didn't have my phone i had my phone i I don't even remember where i left it i put it on maybe in the kitchen and it stayed there for hours so i missed the whole like the video and it trending and all that but on monday morning when i woke up i had my phone on i started looking at news i was like what so I clicked through and I thought, I hope I don't regret, you know, however many minutes this is. And I watched it and it was like watching a train wreck. This guy, he's so obviously a man. Mm -hmm. Most of the drag queens, they work really hard to kind of feminize themselves. This guy does not look like he's trying. And he's the antithesis of everything. Like when, from the time you realize that girls are different from boys, most of us as girls, I, I remember this when I was younger too. I was trying to be as girly as I could. You know, I everything about me was girly. Mm-hmm. And even as a, a woman, I'm just, I'm into the fact that I'm a woman. I think it's great. I'm happy about it. You know, it's like, you know, I'm going with this. I'm doing this all the way. When you look at a drag queen, it's so insulting to all the things that women go through. Menopause, mm-hmm. you know, it. not that childbirth is insulting, but it's rough. It's it, This is all the toughest stuff that you have to live through as a woman that is being trivialized by these men who think being a woman is simply two pounds of makeup on the face. I just, I, I don't understand it, but you know, what's new? There's, these culture stories defy imagination. Chris Woodward, we are going to be going into the break here in a minute. And when we get back, we're going to have more from onenewsnow.com okay. and, your, and your awesome writing and commentary preview for us. What will we talk about when we get back? We're going to talk about the U.S. birth rate continuing to fall uh, and what that means for us as a society, as a workforce, entitlement programs, things of that nature. Mm, That is timely subject matter. So when we get back, we'll have more Chris Woodward. Head over to onenewsnow.com and check out the content there. More Stacey on the right also when we get back.
It's amazing, but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, healthcare, a lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way, but they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your healthcare. It's MediShare, and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month, not a year, a month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong, it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. Why not look into this? Just call 855-PSALM-23. That's 855-PSALM-23. 855-PSALM-23. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Should the government break up Facebook? In a previous commentary, I quoted Senator Ted Cruz, who observed that the current big tech companies are larger and more powerful than when Standard Oil was broken up and larger and more powerful than AT&T when it was broken up. Nevertheless, he and other senators don't seem ready to act. But joining this discussion is Mark Hughes, the co-founder of Facebook. He concludes in his New York Times op-ed that it is time to break up Facebook. His argument is simple. Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook have become too powerful and have a virtual monopoly in the area of social media. After all, Facebook has also acquired Instagram and WhatsApp. That means about 70% of American adults use social media and the vast majority are on Facebook products. He reminds us that Mark Zuckerberg has unilateral control over speech. In fact, he concludes that there is no precedent for his ability to monitor, organize, and even censor the conversations of 2 billion people. While that is true, I also must disagree with the solutions proposed by Mark Hughes. Not only does he want the government to break up Facebook, but he also wants Congress to create a special agency to draft guidelines for acceptable speech on social media. He does acknowledge that the idea of government regulation of speech may sound un-American. Perhaps that is because such an idea is indeed un-American and contrary to the First Amendment. We don't need government deciding what is or is not acceptable speech. I applaud Mark Hughes for speaking up about Facebook. He deserves to be heard because he knows Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook because he was a co-founder. His diagnosis is sound, but his prescription is not. If government does decide to break up Facebook, it shouldn't then decide to also become the arbiter of what can or cannot be said on social media. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Antisemitism, go to viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. Viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And as is our little thing that we like to do now, which it's turning out really great, fan favorite, Chris Woodward from OneNewsNow.com is back with us for another segment. And we're going to be talking about more hot stories over there. And I tell you what, I, I love getting my news bites from there and sharing them online and kind of driving the conversation that way. And they cover a ton of different things from our hosts as well as breaking news stories throughout the day, continually updated. So fantastic. Chris, thanks for staying on with us. Thank you again for having me. All right. So let's talk about another hot topic that you've got over at uh, One News Now. Yeah. Well, uh, America's baby bust is not over. Uh, The nation's birth rates last year reached record lows for women in their teens and 20s. A government report shows leading to the fewest babies in 32 years. Now, We are not exactly sure as to what is contributing to this. It could be a combination of things, including abortion. Uh, It's probably people from my generation, millennials, not having kids because it's quote-unquote too expensive, uh, things of that sort. What it means for everybody listening to this program is that at some point, we're not going to have enough people to take care of people, to pay for programs designed to help people. Uh, And for people pushing programs where everything under the sun is quote unquote free, it means that we're not going to have enough people on this in this country to fund things like free college, Medicare for all, expanded programs and things of that sort. This will undoubtedly be and it should be an issue for the debates 
starting next year. I want to hear what Democrats and President Trump have to say about this. Well, I I think Democrats already know what they're going to say. They're going to say, hey, Chris Woodward, do you have more than one kid? Then you're part of the problem. Hey, Stacey Washington, you guys have more than one kid. You're part of the problem. And what I want to tell people is if you can hear my voice and you're alive and kicking and you've still got parts that operate properly, you probably need to have one more kid. And if you don't want to have one more the natural way you and you and you feel inclined, obviously, maybe you want to adopt a kid because there are so many kids out there Mm -hmm. who need adoption and I think this is what's the saddest about this is when I meet someone and they don't have any kids and they're like, well, we're not, we're not going to have kids. We, we just have dogs. Well, dogs, like you said, dogs don't work dogs. We have a dog too. So full disclosure, I, I love dogs, but dogs don't produce humans. Dogs can't do the things humans can do. And we are, we are mandated by God to come out and fruitfully multiply, um, because we want to provide more people. And the worst of it all, the saddest part of it all, is someone who's never had their own child. Um, there's nothing like having your own child. And most people that I know who have them, if you talk about when their children were babies, it is the most amazing thing. And, and we, we keep getting, you know, you open up the cards in the mail, and we're getting announcements from the friends, our, our friends' kids, mm-hmm. who are our kids' friends' They're graduating from high school and you look at the that face and think about all the things they're going to do. And you think about the, you know, they were just a couple years ago, they were kind of pimply faced and playing basketball. And now look at them, you know, they've grown a few inches. Some of them mm-hmm. don't even look like the same kid. This is an experience you can't replicate with a dog. Oh, no, no. And if you are one of the many people out there that's kind of worried about um, the increasing use of automation in a number of industries, uh, what do you think an employer is going to have to do if there are few people in the waiting room to apply for a job. They're going to start looking at more robots to do this or that in the store, on the work floor, uh, things of that nature. And again, you know, we a lot of people probably don't spend a lot of time thinking thinking about this, and that's good for them. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse for me. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, we have uh, baby boomers. Uh, many of them are already retired. Many of them are starting to retire. And then you have people that are in their very late fifties that are, you know, they see retirement at some point in the near future, uh, if their kid doesn't blow all their money, um, (laughs) first. So, uh, all those people at some point are going to need extra care and attention, uh, with hospitals and nursing homes and things like that. There is not going to be enough people to support and help those folks. In addition to paying taxes, you know, we, It was several weeks ago at this point, but we had a report out that said from the government saying Social Security was going to basically be just completely broke in the not too distant future. And they're going to have to start, you know, facing mandatory cuts unless lawmakers fix it. And lawmakers will undoubtedly wait until the 11th hour and they'll come up with some kind of terrible compromise that doesn't solve the problem. They'll push it back another four years and make it another election issue. These things are hard to understand. But they are things that you need to be paying attention to, things you needed to be things you need to be reading up on. And one place you can do that is at onenewsnow.com. And so I, I wanna stress something that you just said there. We're talking about leaving this up to legislators who will invariably just raise our taxes yeah. and push it, like you said, four years or three years. And then leave it up to something they can fight over during an election. Because these kinds of issues make fantastic motivators yeah. for people to get out and either vote for or against something. Yeah. And I, the other part is we're, we're falling down on the job. Chris, mm-hmm. if, we're, if we're not saying, this isn't about saying, it costs 400000 to raise a kid nowadays, so that means we can only afford one. That's not the, the right calculation. And I hope people don't think I'm, I'm not being judgmental or saying you're a bad person if you're doing this. I'm saying that God has called us to something greater than that. And these estimations about how much it costs to pay for a kid. They're just that estimations. We, we don't have to listen to that. We are not required to spend 400 grand per kid. Mm -hmm. That's just what, you know, you're living in New York city. Maybe it costs that or more, you know, for most of us who live out in the hinterlands, the parts of the country that the liberals don't care about raising a kid is nowhere near that cost. And besides that, don't you believe God will provide? Yes. I just, I don't know. That is a fantastic point. I was going to say, um, you know, don't believe what the world tells you about the cost of raising your kid. Yes, it is expensive to have a kid. It, it does come at a cost, I should say. That would be a better way to put it. But, you know, your child 
does not need to wear the biggest and most expensive best-known brands. It will not kill them to wear a polo from Walmart versus someplace in the mall that charges way too much or some other store that competes with Walmart. I'm not endorsing them by any stretch. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it, it, there's so much, there's too much of a focus on, you know, the food in front of you for your family's supper uh, needs to be uh, a meat and three. And it needs, you know, all this stuff you've been told, like, you need something to eat. You need some shelter. You need some water. Uh, I don't live in a fancy house. Uh, you know, there there are things, our culture is literally, clearly lacking uh, contentment. And until you really start taking in those things like faith and, and being content with whatever you have, you're always going to be... Uh, Adhering to whatever the world tells you. It, I mean, it, it, it does come at a cost to have a kid, but it's not nearly as expensive as you think it is uh, based on what people would tell you. Well, and it's it's really up to you. And the way that my husband and I have always approached it is, you know, when we were younger and just getting started, especially, you know, it, it was kind of like, you know, I'm clipping coupons. We need to survive. My, my main priority was we have this baby and I've just realized I can't be working. And so I just prayed, you know, and it was, it was one of those little, you know, you're a baby Christian. I was, mm-hmm. it was kind of a weak little, but please help us be able to afford for me to stay home. And then my husband was like, well, what are, what are we willing to do so you can stay home? And I was like, well, I'll clip coupons. And he said, well, we can stop eating out. And I said, you know, I don't need new clothes. The baby will need clothes, but you know, my mom is, is obsessive about helping us out with baby clothes. So maybe, maybe we can make this work. And we looked at our tiny little budget and we figured if we stopped eat, eating out, and I stopped buying clothes and stuff for work and I don't have to buy lunch because I'm not at work. All of a sudden, it looked like we could make it. And within seven or eight months, my husband had gotten a promotion and kind of made up for a, some part of what I was earning. And we were kind of back to normal or we could eat out occasionally mm-hmm. and, you know, I could buy new things for the baby. And it, but it was, my priority was, I just want to be with her. I can't believe I thought I could work and leave her with someone else. And then from there, as we started adding on the kids, yeah. it, was not, it wasn't planned. Like our family is not, the, our story isn't like, um, most of my friends, their kids are exactly 24 months apart or exactly 36 months apart or exactly five years apart. Right. <laughs> our kids are 15 months for the first two. And I don't even know, it's two years and something for the second two. And we, they just, when they came, we just had them. Yeah. And I, I feel like, and no offense to people who are planners and they do it that way. But there's something so amazing about saying, you know what, Lord, we want to have a family and we want to do some amazing things. Like we, we just want to have a couple kids, you know, can you just, can you just bless us? And then letting him kind of, okay, here's, here's a kid. And then when the next one, my husband was like, wow, this is fast. And my mom was like, you got to watch out. And I, and inside myself, mm-hmm. no offense to my mom, but I was like, um, watch out. This is a baby and I'm excited. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy about this. So yeah. I just encourage people to kind of let go a little bit. This idea that we're in control of everything, it gets totally smashed when your kids start driving, first of all. So if you can delude <laughs> yourself all you want. But the other thing is God is in control. Yeah. So how about having some fun? Well, you know, we have a, a very similar story uh, with our household. Um, I, I got saved and I, I found this job and I came here and we, we kind of I don't want to say abandon everything, but we dropped everything we were doing in, in Birmingham and, and moved over here. Uh, and, you know, it, there were struggles at times, but uh, our our family helped us out. Uh, my mother-in-law is a, a fantastic human being. I You know, Jesus paid it all, and my mother-in-law covered the incidentals for us for a little <laughs> while. Uh, is, basically, is basically my story. God bless Same her. for us, too. My parents were constantly tr- infusing infusing cash into oh, our yeah. lives. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know and and you know maybe there's maybe there's something there you could do to if you're a little bit better off than maybe uh somebody in your family or maybe even somebody in your church help them out every once in a while. There's you mm-hmm. know that's that's what we're there for. Uh, I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. of the it takes a family to it takes a village to raise a family. I I'm, I don't really uh subscribe to that mentality and I believe yeah, you and either. I talked about it. But uh yeah, you know yeah. certainly uh there are certain situations where you can step up and help somebody. But I think a good example of of uh, the fact that people who do clip coupons and, and shop at a thrift store, as we often do, uh, you know, what's funny is uh, a lot of people, when you when you look and read up on the more popular shows on cable television, sometimes it's those reality shows, quote unquote reality shows, where somebody is extreme coupon clipping, or maybe they're like the, you know, the Duggars where all 300 of them pile out of the uh, <laughs> 
the, the van and they go in the a thrift store. Of 10, that's, right. That's the reason why people have, you know, people are debt free and they have uh, big houses and, and huge uh, yards because they are cost sensitive. They, they pay attention to those things and they make sure that, um, you know, they're not spending too much. Whereas the rest of us are like, what am I going to do? You know, right. people, people trust Jesus uh, with their salvation, but they'll freak out when the bill comes. Why is that? Because they like faith. So it brings us back to what you said there. It's a step of faith. It is. But I, I just encourage, because especially when I meet young people and Chris, you would, you, if you were like nearby, like hiding behind a, you know, a little piece of wall, you'd be laughing so hard because I do this spiel. If I, if I see a young couple and they have a cute baby, well, the baby at all, I go over and I want to just, you know, maybe grab the baby's little foot or something and say, hi. And I'll ask them, is this your first child? And if they say yes, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I know this is a bit early, but you guys plan on having any more. And if they even hesitate, I'll say, you know, God told you to go forward and multiply. And the whole analogy about the, it's a Bible verse, you know, the children are your, of your youth are a blessing from mm-hmm. the Lord. Uh, and blessed is the man whose quiver is full. These are arrows. And in order to be an effective warrior, you don't want one arrow. You want many. Yeah. And if there's anything I would tell you now that my kids are bigger, it's that if we'd had two more, I wouldn't be saying, oh, I wish we hadn't had these two kids. But I do sometimes say to my husband, you know, we'll laugh about it now. Oh, I wish we'd had a couple more. And he used to think I was crazy. But now that the kids are bigger, he really agrees with me. Like we we truly feel like if we were if we hadn't had so many people, especially our family members saying, be careful, you'll end up with five kids. We would have had five kids and we'd have been perfectly happy with yeah. it. So I tell them that I'm like, do it for, do it for America, do it for the planet. Overpopulation is not an issue, but if you don't do it for any of those things, do it because God told you to be fruitful and multiply. You need to have at least two more kids. And they always smile and laugh at me. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, I'm your marriage grandma. I've been married for over 20 years. Y'all been married for what? Five years. They're like two. I'm like, Oh, I'm your marriage. Great grandma. So they're not even out of the honeymoon <laughs> yet. At two. You know, yeah. I mean, there was a day in time where, uh, in, in this country, if, if a family only had five kids, people would be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. What, what can happened? we pray for you? Yeah. And yeah. now it's oh, like, you guys are struggling. You're having trouble with fertility. Yeah. <laughs> right. And now it's, now it's like, you know, for some reason we're having 2.5 kids, whatever that means. I've never been able well, to really understand, wrap my head around that, but well, uh, it's 2.3. Oh, the, touche. 2.2.3. Yeah. So it's a two and a third kid. What's that? Yeah. There's a reason I got a uh, degree in communication because it only involved one math. So. Well, I don't know any math. I just remember that stat because it's so weird. It I'm, is. No kidding. It is the yeah. weirdest thing ever for us yeah. to have that as our reality. This is, this is Junior. This is Sally. And here's point three. I mean, I've whatever that Which means. is probably your dog. Well, in, in, in America, yes. Yes. For sure. Yes. So when, when, when we're talking about this and people are kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of easy for you to say um, that you can afford it. Just go ahead and do it. And then they, you know, sometimes people will actually legitimately say, well, what about people who are stricken in poverty? But I just keep going back to what God has told us about how he how he works, who he is. He has laid out a plan for each of our lives. And we are we're just to be walking in that in faith. And it it sounds if you're if, if you're a person who's not in tune with this, it sounds crazy. But I, I I've seen it so much in the years we've been married where God has just come in into situations where if you say, Lord, I, I don't know what to do here. That's when he's just operating and moving and doing, we got to give him that chance. He's God for goodness sakes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're looking for everything in the Bible to make sense to you, uh, you won't find it because they're, I mean, they're my pastor and other preachers and stuff. I know they often talks about it. You know, I don't understand everything in the Bible, but it, it brings us back to that thing that God requires faith. It's, it's impossible to please him without it. And he wants you to just take that step of faith. Tithing is a good example of that. I'll never be able to understand why giving him 10% uh, allows all things to be covered with the remaining 90, but it works. It works. Now, we might not have, you know, filet mignon for supper. We might have, uh, you know, beans and weenies or whatever, you know, they might call it in Missouri. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it works, and it's it's faith, and uh, you get up and you, you use that faith to get through tomorrow and the next day. And what more can we ask for um so exciting all right chris woodward you are awesome as always thank you, thank very you much. for coming in today for a couple segments this is so good 
Have a good week. All right, you too. Hey, we'll be back with more after this. Keep it here. I have two dogs. Sometimes when we go walking, they'll get a sticker in their paw. My dachshund will stop, hold up that foot, and just look annoyed because it has slowed her down and that she needs my help to get rid of it. The terrier, on the other hand, would rather limp along like, I'm okay, I'm just walking it off, than to stop for me to take that painful thing out of her paw. It made me think, we're like that when it comes to our relationship with God. We either have complete reliance on Him and turn to Him as soon as we have a need, or we go along suffering, trying to fix it all ourselves. I've done both. How about you? There's lots less pain and suffering when you choose to turn to Jesus right away. But maybe you've never made the decision to follow Him and don't know how to ask Him. This life is much easier to navigate when you're relying on Jesus. If you'd like to find out more, call 888-NEED-HIM or chat with us at chataboutjesus.com. possibility at www.radiance.life. Follow us on Twitter at Life Has Purpose. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. It's possible that the 2020 presidential election could hinge on events of the past few days. The scrap with China over tariffs and the stock market plunge could reshape the presidential sweepstakes. A postmortem of the 2020 presidential election could focus on events of May 2019 as pivotal to President Trump's success or failure at the ballot box. And that's to say nothing of other races down the ballot. The economy is sizzling now, as the president is quick to remind everyone, but staggering dips on Wall Street from the trade war with China could erase economic gains. U.S. slapped China with $200 billion in tariffs after failed trade talks. China retaliated with $60 billion in retaliatory tariffs on their own. Yet President Trump asserts that the U.S. is, quote, in a great position on tariffs and says farmers will be very happy with his efforts. The average American household could pay an extra $800 a year due to the trade war. Manufacturers of big farm equipment are already taking a hit. Soybean farmers are exhausted by the grim outlook for their commodity. And this is a risk to the president. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Well, look, we've always been in a trade war with China. I think President Trump's really the first one to finally acknowledge it and confront it. I would like to see it addressed quickly. Uh, we all would, but at the same time, uh, China's been cheating. They steal intellectual property. Uh, they don't play by the rules. And so having a trade deal that actually not only puts rules of the game in place that can be enforced, but then to have an enforcement mechanism uh, is critical for our economy and to make sure that our allies around the world also want that same confrontation. You just said we're always... China's always cheated on the rules. I mean, they've they've not played by the rules for, for a long time, as long as people have been following the way that China operates, uh, they play by a different set of rules. And, and frankly, when you're, when you're dealing with uh, trade negotiations and trade deals with friends or with uh, people who aren't maybe as, as close of friends uh, as others, uh, you still have to be able to play by the rules and trust that the other person's doing the same thing right. and treating you fairly. Wow. So that's Representative Steve Scalise talking about this trade war. And remember, we... <laughs> We've had guests on from Heritage to talk about, um, obviously, I think the Heritage position officially is that they do not agree with the uh, the trade war. They don't agree with, well, not so much the trade war, but the actual tariffs. Um, we've also had people on who said, hey, you know, the, the temporary tariffs are a logical solution to a trading partner that simply refuses to abide by the rules. I will say this. I think it's kind of telling that most of the people who are so opposed to 
anything going on with uh, with with trade, um, especially these tariffs, I haven't heard them propose a solution that would be a better option. Um, again, what do we do about the theft of our intellectual property and the unfair dealing that we see so often from the Shycoms? Well, you can't tell me that we can't do tariffs and then provide no other viable alternative. So the president has said on this trade squabble, he calls it a squabble, we always win. Um, And I I think his attitude is appropriate. The Chinese desperately need the partnerships that they have with America. Now, we we need them too. Let's be real. They provide things to us in the way of their labor market that are not feasible on a huge scale here in the U.S., but it doesn't mean that we're so linked to them that we can't negotiate. And that's what they're, that, that's what the president's doing. I have a little quote from him. He says, we're having a little squabble with China because we've been treated very unfairly for many decades. Sorry, he said, for many, many decades. It should have been handled a long time ago, and it wasn't, and we'll handle it now. President Trump says he is confident that China will come back to the table for a deal even in spite of the fact that he's raised tariffs to 25% on $200 billion of Chinese products. He's saying, here's another quote from him, a lot of strength is being shown. This has never happened to China before. Our economy is fantastic. Theirs is not so good. Now, he says he has a very strong relationship with Chinese President uh, Z. <laughs> I always see XI and I want to say something else. Um, and then, and, and, President Trump says that the dialogue with China is going to continue. I don't know. When I look at the lay of the land and I see that the United States actually purchased far more products from China than uh, they purchased from us, you know, I see that as a bit of an advantage. In other words, Americans can buy, we can buy our products someplace else. Now, does that mean we might pay a little more? Yes. And for some families, that is a hardship, but it's not a permanent condition. And for the long haul, we have to have some alternatives. Now, what I love about, and and Chris Woodward mentioned this when he was on last segment. Um, We also, I I shop at thrift stores. In fact, one of the things that was so, it was a saving grace for us as a family is the fact that I, I didn't mind if our kids wore secondhand clothes. So they would wear, people thought that we spent just a crazy amount on their clothing, the, the dresses and little the suits that Miles used to wear to church when he was little, uh, the dresses for the girls. We would, they would be dressed to the nines and it was all from consignment shops. Occasionally I would find stuff at thrift stores, but the majority of it was from consignment shops, lightly used dresses, the tiny little suits for Miles, the little khaki pants, all that. When a kid gets too big for clothes and they consign it to a consignment shop, a pair of pants that's $19 is $6 or $3. Or if you catch it when the consignment shop has a sale and they're trying to empty the racks because they have a lot of new clothes they want to put out, then you're buying clothes by the bag. You're buying a dress that is $65 at Dillard's for $5 or $12. There are ways to get around what people are saying that the tariffs are really um, a hardship. And I don't doubt that they are, especially for the farmers but there are ways to get around the alternatives for purchasing items that are manufactured in China. You can buy things that are manufactured elsewhere, or you can buy things used. I don't have a solution for the farmers. I'm going to read up on it a little bit to see exactly what they're going through. Cause farmers sell that, uh, especially here in Missouri, we sell a lot of actual pigs and hogs to China. We actually ship the, the livestock over to them and, uh, the the hogs are born and bred here in, in Missouri and then sent over. So that is something that, you know, could be pretty tough um, if they're tariffing our, our farm products. But the president has said, and I think it's accurate, a lot of strength is being shown. This has never happened to China before. Our economy is fantastic. I want to reiterate that. We have all the advantage. It's a very small factor for us. And our people, if they want, can buy from someplace else other than China or they can really the ideal make their product in the USA, which is what he really wants. I believe as the president says, he says, you know what? You want to know something? We always win. I think that is a very good attitude to have. It's positive 
uh, it moves us in the right direction as a country to to meet this challenge with the idea and the, the thought process that we're going to win. And it puts us in a position to really look at the way that we're being treated. And China has never been a good operator with us. It's time. It's time for us to make that change. And uh, that's that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. Um, so there's another story and this one's completely like complete turn. You got this woman, she's driving an electric scooter and this is in Long Beach, California. So gird your loins, you know, you know, the story is going to be crazy beyond all belief. Um, they've arrested this man on suspicion of beating a 63 year old woman to death with an electric scooter. Rosa Hernandez of Long Beach was walking on a street when a man ran up and attacked her. He then grabbed an electric rental scooter that was left nearby and hit her with it and then ran away. He's described as wearing a hooded sweatshirt and red shoes. He was located at a local business within four hours and booked on the suspicion of murder. Um, there's no word of a motive for the attack. So that's all they've got. Like they don't know why he did it. And again, crazy California. Why is this guy? They haven't released his name. And I think the reason, because this is on San Francisco gate. So sfgate.com, you know why they haven't released his name. He's probably an illegal alien. Why would he do that to this woman? Why would he beat her to death with a scooter? Um, Cause it, the, on the, the blurb for it, they make it seem like she hit him with the scooter. Well, there, she wasn't even on the scooter. It's a rental scooter that was just sitting nearby. So, uh, anyway, that, that, that's news of crazy, crazy craziness. And then on the immigration front, uh, this is at voiceofeurope.com. So obviously this isn't in the United States, but just look at what happens when you pile a bunch of illegal aliens up someplace, you leave them there with no work, nothing to do. And then, uh, you know, here you go. What do they do? They, they become violent. Stabbings and confrontations by hundreds of violent Africans on the Portuguese seaside. So multiple social media videos have emerged after hostile confrontations between 500 Africans who eventually stabbed a young man in the beach of Tamariz, which is on the very posh area of Cascais in the Lisbon region. So he was stabbed in the abdomen and transported to the hospital. Another individual had to be hospitalized. Apparently, it's rival groups of residents in Quinta de Moco and Amador, which are highly Africanized areas of the Lisbon suburban area. These people are, I guess, having misunderstandings. And these kinds of confrontations have been happening dating back almost 15 years, but they're becoming more and more common in areas where there are black majorities in the areas of Portugal. And so obviously I am a permanently tanned individual. This isn't about the race of the perpetrators. It's about whether or not unmitigated migration yields benefits or if it's something that puts areas in danger of having higher levels of crime and violence. So obviously um, it looks like it's not a benefit. What wouldn't you say? It's, it's absolutely not a benefit. Um, so turning back to our original subject where we were talking about the, the trade war with China, I think one of the things that's being discounted about our position with China to negotiate, and really it's no longer a negotiation, the president and Lighthizer and his administration, they've, they've all come up with a plan and they presented it to the Chinese and they have the ability now to either accept it or come back with another adjustment to the proposal. But the president has indicated that he and his team feel like they're, they're stalling. They're, they're trying to prolong the negotiations because they don't want to give up their, their benefits of stealing from us. Our economic growth puts us in a position to negotiate even harder, not just the 3.2% annual real GDP growth for the first quarter, which it could have been higher. We just had the government shut down during that time frame. Remember that, but these numbers are a vindication of the president's position on this trade, this trade deal with China. He's been saying for decades that 
the trade deficit is a drag on growth. And now we know that almost 1% of our GDP growth was a result of reduction in imports. Imports are down because Trump's tariffs are driving down the trade deficit with China. So now that he's added $200 billion more in Chinese goods to that list of tariffs, the U.S. economy potentially will grow even faster. Now, investors typically have a really wary, uh, you know, kind of negative view of tariffs. But as things are cracking out, even investors are now beginning to understand that this is working in our favor. Now, you've got uncertainty surrounding trade with China. The stock market has had modest losses, you know, um, on, on the heels of news of tariffs, et cetera, et cetera. But modest is what I said, because the overall strength of the economy is kind of mitigating that factor. Now, we've put up with their aggression for like an age, really. Democrat and Republican presidents have permitted this. The decidedly different tack taken by the Trump administration has an agenda to it. This economic agenda has some points to it. And I think understanding them sets us up to be able to have this conversation. You know, when people say the tariffs are killing our, no, they're not killing our economy. Here are some of the points that we know the president is, is driving towards with this new plan um, with the, with the Chinese. First of all, the relentless cyber attacks of American businesses. And, and once they get in, they steal hundreds of billions of dollars of intellectual property. And that's on top of what they're stealing when uh, an American business decides to place a factory in China and they steal intellectual property that way by requiring the release of that property in order to put the, the factory up. The state owns state subsidized and state controlled enterprises owned by China, wholesale dumping products on foreign markets. The flooding of foreign markets with steel and aluminum, cheap steel and aluminum, autos, robotics, the end game is destruction of free market capitalism altogether. Just, to, just in case you're wondering, why does China do this? Because they don't like the fact that we're the number one economy. They want to be the number one economy, but they can't do it by true competition. So they're taking the other tack. The only way that you can take when your country lacks creativity and innovation because of communism. Forcing American companies, as I mentioned, to uh, turn over their cutting edge technology as a condition of doing business there. That's theft. Stopping China from manipulating their currency to gain unfair advantages in the trade market. And defending Americans from the flood of fentanyl and other dangerous opioids that are killing them by the tens of thousands. The first two opium wars were waged by Great Britain against China. The third is being waged by China against the United States and our people, and it's got to stop. Now, President Trump has gotten an amazing deal uh, with China on the opioid epidemic and the fentanyl and et cetera. Glad to see that, but more has to be done. So uh, the president wanted to ink this trade deal with Z before the end of the month. The Chinese are rebuffing that. They don't want to be pressured into a deal. They're exercising bad faith. But I'm sticking with President Trump on this one. I think he's going to do a fantastic job bringing this to resolution. Just don't forget why we're doing it. That's what those points are about. All right. God bless you from the heartland. Have a fantastic evening. Back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.